to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, February 24th, 2019, on the basis of Luke 6, verses 27 through 38. This week I asked the confirmation students a question that I also wanted to ask you, and that question is this. How would you like it if every single day you walked around with some sort of visual label identifying you in a very specific way, and that visual label identified you to everyone around you as a Christian. I don't know if we'd write it right across your forehead or put it in big bold letters across your t-shirt or maybe a, a big neon sign that was following you everywhere that you went, but somehow, some way, whether you're driving in the car or sitting at your desk at work or standing in the line, the checkout line at the store, or sitting on the bleachers at the gym, everyone around you would be able to look and say, that person right there, that's a Christian. How would you like that? Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Something that you would be excited about or maybe a little bit scared of in today's world? We might have different answers to that question and different reasons for those answers, but really the reason I wanted to ask you that question this morning is because there's a very important follow-up question that I wanted to ask, and that question is this even apart from some sort of visual label. Is there a behavior? Is there something that you could do, a certain way that you could act, that essentially would do the very same thing? See, it turns out that we actually don't need a black Sharpie to write something across your forehead. We don't need a, a sewing machine to alter your t-shirt. We don't need a big, bright neon sign. The reality is that there very much is something you can do. There is a specific way of acting, a specific set of behaviors that have the same effect. What do you think it is? How do you think the people of our world would answer that question? What, what is it that identifies Christians based on how they act? Is it, is it the specific stance that they take on certain controversial issues of our day? Is it their generosity? Is it the way that they try and help the poor or stand up for the oppressed? Is it the language that they use and the language that they don't use? Is it the fact that their smartphones have the little Bible app on them? Is it the fact that they come to church every Sunday? What is it? Well, of course, each one of those things is a good thing, but really none of those things is the thing. But in these verses, Jesus is going to tell us exactly what it is. I mentioned last week that in this section of Luke that we're working through these few weeks, it's sort of like Jesus is giving us a peek under the hood of this car called Christianity. He's, he's giving us a glimpse of the engine that runs life in his kingdom. And last week, the focus of Jesus' words was, was sort of on how being a member of his kingdom affects our individual personal lives. This week, the focus is going to be on our interactions with other people. So last week, it was very individual and internal, you might say. This week, it's very communal and external. And Jesus is going to tell us the specific thing that he wants us to do that will make it very clear to everyone who comes into contact with us that we belong to his kingdom. In fact, we might think about it this way. I'm guessing that when it comes to food and the things that you like to eat, there's maybe one or more specific ingredients that go into specific recipes that you can always pick out. There might be a dish that has 12 different ingredients in it, but there's always one that your taste buds will notice. Maybe it's salt, maybe it's garlic, maybe it's some other herb or spice. Well, in the very same way, Jesus says, here is the behavior 
that no matter how many moral values there are out there in the world, no matter how many codes of conduct people live by, this one will always stand out. This one will always get noticed. And the best part is that unlike a, a chef who might have some secret recipe that's been in the family for generations and he doesn't want anyone to know about it, Jesus is going to tell us exactly what it is. That's what we're going to see in these verses today, that Jesus reveals his kingdom's secret ingredient. So this week I, I happened to come across a very interesting interview. The interview was with a woman whose life had been profoundly affected by something that happened almost 20 years ago, namely the school shooting at Columbine High School in Columbine, Colorado. This woman named Sue Klebold was one of 15 mothers who lost a child that day. So on April 20th, 1999, she was one of 15 mothers who lost a child. And, and as I was listening to this interview, Sue talked about how she can still picture her son walking out the, do the door that morning, the very last time that she ever saw him. She can still hear him saying goodbye to her, the very last words that she ever heard come out of his mouth. And as I listened to that interview and I listened to the pain in her voice, I couldn't help but wonder, how would I respond if I were, or if I were in her shoes? If someone had done something so harmful and so hurtful to me, if someone had taken away from me someone or something that I love so dearly, how would I respond? It's the very thing Jesus addresses in these verses. The things that Jesus says in these verses aren't at all surprising. Jesus says, love people. He says, do good to people. He says, help people, bless people, pray for people. He says, when people are in need, help them out, give to them, and don't expect to be repaid. None of that comes as much of a surprise, but the surprise is the people to whom Jesus wants us to do these things. He wants us to do good to people who have done evil to us. He wants us to do good to people who have hurt us, people who have harmed us, people who have taken things from us. He wants us to do good to people who don't deserve it at all and have no ability to pay us back. In other words, Jesus wants us to do all of these wonderful things, not simply for our friends, but also for our enemies. Now, you maybe know that some of the words Jesus speaks in these verses sometimes get discussed. They're pretty well known, and sometimes they come under a little bit of, of debate or discussion. For example, what exactly does it mean when Jesus says, if someone strikes you on one cheek, make sure you turn the other one also? What does Jesus mean when he says that if someone steals something from you, you should go ahead and just give them something else in addition to that? Does Jesus mean that literally? Are we, are we really not supposed to in any way protect ourselves or our possessions? For that matter, what does it mean when Jesus says, no matter who asks you, give? Are we not at all supposed to ask if it might be a scam or, or what exactly they're going to use that money to do? Might I suggest that some of those questions that get asked about some of Jesus' words in this section are really just a distraction. See, the overall message that Jesus wants to communicate is crystal clear. Jesus wants us to do good to people who have done evil to us. He wants us to treat well people who have treated us poorly. In other words, Jesus want us, wants us to treat people unfairly. To treat them in the exact opposite way that they deserve. And I would guess that in about 99% of cases, how exactly we're supposed to do that is crystal clear. It's maybe just that last 1% when sometimes it's a little bit tough to know how exactly can I best love this person who needs to be loved. 
But of course, we like to debate over that last 1%. And it's not because Jesus' overall message is unclear. It's because Jesus' overall message is very, very difficult. It's second nature to us to want to retaliate, to want to revisit evil with more evil, that when someone treats us poorly to think, boy, they better have it coming, that when someone is lazy or makes bad decisions with their life that they deserve to just take their lumps, that when someone doesn't treat us the way that we expect to be treated, that we have the right to treat them poorly in return, or that if we do something for someone, if we do something nice for someone, then boy, they really owe us and they better pay us back. All of that comes very, very easily and naturally. And so we love to debate Jesus' words, not because they're unclear, but because they're really, really difficult to carry out. Which means that the real question we need to ask about these verses is not what exactly do they mean, but how in the world can we possibly do this? How can we put this into practice in our lives? In fact, that's why that interview with that woman named Sue Klebold was so interesting to me. There's one little detail about Sue Klebold that I haven't mentioned yet. Yes, she was one of 15 mothers who lost a child on April 20th, 1999. Yes, she can still picture him walking out the door and saying goodbye for the very last time, but Sue Klebold's son was not one of the people who was murdered at Columbine that morning. Sue Klebold's son, Dylan, was one of two people who was doing the murdering. Can you imagine what that would be like? I think it's not unusual for us to picture ourselves on, on sort of the receiving end of things like that. What would it be like if someone took away something or someone that we love as a result of an act of violence? But, but what would it be like to be pretty closely connected to the person who's doing the taking? Sue Klebold talked about how every time she enters a room, every time she's around people, she can't help but wonder whether someone in that room was directly affected by what her son did that morning. She talked about how anytime she's standing in front of a room, she feels this overwhelming need to apologize for what he did. In fact, from that day forward, you could say that Sue Klebold's entire existence, her entire ability to live and work and interact with people in our world was dependent on one important thing, one key ingredient that she needed from other people. Exactly the thing that Jesus is talking about in these verses. Undeserved kindness. Undeserved forgiveness. And believe it or not, those are the shoes that Jesus wants us to put ourselves in. Not the shoes of people who have suffered all kinds of wrongs at the hands of other people, but the shoes of people who have committed all kinds of wrongs against God and against others. See, it's interesting. Sometimes we, we sort of fret over whether another person deserves a $20 bill or, or a tank of gas. Sometimes we scheme about what another person's going to get if they've bad-mouthed us behind their backs. But, but in these verses, Jesus refers to God as the Most High which means that he's got much bigger things on his plate. In fact, he is ruling over all things. God himself is responsible for the very air that we are breathing right now. He's responsible for the rain that falls and the sun that shines. He's responsible for the gravity that keeps us planted here on planet Earth rather than floating off into outer space. And he could withhold all of those blessings at the drop of a hat if he wanted to. And yet, Jesus says, he showers those blessings on us and not not just on the good and the virtuous, not just on the pious 
and the upright. Now, Jesus says that he showers those blessings on the two different types of people that there are in this world, the ungrateful and the wicked. People who have wronged God time after time by violating his perfect will. People who are often ungrateful or don't even recognize all of the good things and all of the wonderful blessings that God has given to them. Jesus showers those blessings not just on his friends, for who in the world could qualify for a distinction like that? He showers those blessings on his enemies. And in fact, Jesus came to reveal this about our Father in heaven, not just in the sense that he came to talk about it. Jesus came to put that love, that mercy from God on fullest display in his own life. Jesus himself came to die in our place, to die for our sins. Again, not just for his friends, because who could qualify? But for his enemies too. For us. For you and for me. And so that very behavior that Jesus asks us to put into practice in our lives, that's the very same behavior that we have from our Father in heaven. In fact, he's the originator of it. He's bought the patent for it. He's trademarked the brand, you might say. And that's why this behavior is the key ingredient in the kingdom of God. Jesus says the flip side of this is the most common, normal, everyday thing in the world. Doing good to people who are good to you, giving to people who can pay you back, that's boring. That's bland. Everybody does that. But doing good to people who are evil to you and giving to people who cannot pay you back, that's like that secret ingredient that no matter what else is in the mix, no matter what else is in the food, that stands out. That gets noticed. In fact, our, our translation of these verses sort of hides the neat thing that Jesus is saying. Jesus talks about this normal, everyday, common behavior of doing good to people who can do good back to you, and he says, where's the credit in that? That's what our translation says, almost as if we should expect a gold star if we put this good behavior into practice. Really, Jesus is saying, where is the grace in that? Where is the unfairness in that? Where is the unusualness in that behavior if you simply do good to those who can do good back to you? In fact, here's how I would picture it. It's like Jesus is taking a big bite, a big mouthful of that behavior that's so common and so normal in our world. He's chewing it up a little bit, and then he's spitting it out of his mouth. He's saying, blah, bland, boring. Where's the spice? Where's the grace in that behavior? That's the behavior that stands out. That's the secret ingredient in the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus says that this behavior is what marks us as children of the Most High. Just like a, a child who looks so much like mom or dad that he couldn't even deny being a part of that family if he wanted to, so also when we put this behavior into practice, we are identifying ourselves. We are being marked as children of the Most High. Grace, forgiveness, undeserved kindness. This is the secret ingredient in Jesus' kingdom. which is also what makes it so very important for us to put into practice in our lives. Jesus wraps up these verses not by saying that this is something that only specific Christians need to worry about, or, or maybe if you're interested in getting a black belt in Christianity, then this is something that you can think about, but for everybody else, it's not that big of a deal. No, here's how Jesus wraps things up. He says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Jesus is saying there are basically two ways you can have it, two types of worlds you can live in. You can either live in a world where people get exactly what they deserve. 
And if that's how you want to treat people, then that's exactly how your Father in Heaven is going to treat you. Or you can live in a world where people don't get what they deserve, when they are, where they are shown undeserved kindness and grace. And if, you, if that's how you want God to treat you, then, then naturally and inevitably, that's how you're going to treat others. Those words from Jesus also come under some discussion and debate sometimes, especially that phrase, do not judge. You hear, you hear that quoted quite a bit these days. And often it's used to give the impression that no one is ever allowed to point out something that someone else has done and call it wrong or call it evil. It's important for us to keep in mind that a judge is actually responsible for two things in a court of law, right? A judge, first of all, determines guilt, and a judge, second of all, assigns a sentence, assigns a punishment. When Jesus says, do not judge, he's talking only about the second one. How do we know? Well, because synonymous with saying, do not judge, Jesus says, forgive. Well, if we're supposed to forgive someone, that assumes that they've done something wrong, right? If, if no one's done anything wrong, then there's nothing to forgive. And so, yes, we very much can call a spade a spade. We can point out what someone has done that is wrong, but what is not ours to do is assign punishment. Instead, Jesus calls us to treat people like they don't deserve, to treat people unfairly, to do good to those who have done evil against us. And that, Jesus says, is what will mark us as children of God. And the great news is that no matter how many times we do this, we don't ever have to worry about running out. The very last verse that Jesus said might be a little bit confusing when you first hear it. He said, A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. So picture God's grace, undeserved kindness as this spice that adds flavor and catches people's attention. Picture a jar of spices that is completely empty, bone dry. How much of that spice of grace does God give us? Well, he fills it up to the top, and then we might want a little bit more, so Jesus says we, we press it down, we pack it down a little bit tighter so that there's more room, and then, then he fills it up again. Then we take the jar and we shake it a little bit so that it all settles even more, creating more room, and then Jesus fills it up one more time, not just to the brim, but overflowing all over our lap. Not just enough for what we need, but enough to be able to show that very same love to others. No matter how much of this grace we expend in our relationships with other people, there will always be more where that came from in our relationship with God. So friends, the good news is you don't need a label. You don't need something written across your forehead or across your t-shirt, but instead, love your enemies. Do good to those who have done wrong to you. And Jesus says, yes, this will identify you as a member of the kingdom of God. And perhaps best of all, it will give the people around you a little taste of what your God is really like. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.